So we have a treat tonight. Julie Carboni is going to share the message with us. Yay. Would you, would you give her a, a warm welcome and blessing? Which... Susan had a chance to hear Julie share at the um, World Changers Equipping School. And how many of you folks went to that? And, and Julie shared it one of the evenings, and Susan thought, wow, we've got to hear more from Julie. So I'm glad you're, glad you're here. Looking forward to what you have for us. Thank you. God bless you guys. Um, I just, uh, this is a great honor, and I, I just thank God for it. And uh, um, just wanted to set, um, start off on a, just a humorous note. And... Um, about um, my messages on thinking big, because we have a big God. And um, so I'll put that there. And um, so we have to uh, change our perception. Our, our perceptions are so important um, in how we think things and what um, our thoughts are telling us. And I work in the psychological realm um, as a marriage family therapist. And many times I'm dealing with pe people's thinking and helping them to see outside the box and helping them to have another perception. So anyway, on a humorous note, um, the children of a prominent family thought hard and long about what they could give their father as a present. So they decided to commission a professional biographer to write a book detailing their family history. In the meeting with the biographer, the children gave him numerous documents and anecdotes to weave into the account, as well as scores of photographs. Then one of the children said, we have one more matter we need to discuss with you, the family's black sheep. In hushed whispers, they told about an uncle who had been convicted of first-degree murder and executed in the electric chair. No problem, the biographer assured the children. I can handle the situation so there will be no embarrassment. Well, we don't want to lie, said one of the children. The bi biographer agreed. I'll merely say that Uncle Samuel occupied a chair of applied electronics in an important government institution. <laughs> he was attached to the position by the strongest of ties, and his death came at a, at a, a real shock. <laughs> so, anyway... Um, so, it's our per perceptions. Um, in um, my family, too, just, you know, different black sheep situations, but um, I actually have a, one of my grandfather's uncles from Sicily was in um, prison, and when he got out, he worked for Alka-Seltzer, and he had the Alka-Seltzer commercial where they're all banging their cups because of prison food saying Alka-Seltzer, Alka-Seltzer, and... <laughs> claim to fame here. <laughs> so anyway, so um, what I was thinking about was um, that um, the Lord had um, showed me this scripture in Galatians. I've been reading the Passion Version, and it's just really uh, set my spirit free, and I've seen things that I've never seen before. It's just an amazing version of the Bible. It's really a blessing. And I was thinking about... Um, 
our journey, um, my journey, and then my journey with my husband and um, what he's done in our lives. And so um, what I wanted to do was to read um, portions of um, chapter 3 of Galatians in the Passion Version and then um, get a little bit into our history and what um, God has been showing um, showing us and showing me and um, what he's been doing. So, um, okay, so Jesus, our Messiah, was hung upon a tree, bearing the curse in our place, and in so doing, dissolved it from our lives so that all the blessing of Abraham can be poured even upon the non-Jewish believers. And now God shows grace to all of us and gives the promise of the wonderful Holy Spirit who lives within us when we believe him. So we know that he took the curse for us. And um, let, me, let me go on. Remember the royal proclamation God spoke over Abraham and to Abraham's child. God said that the promises were made to pass on to Abraham's child, not children. And who is this child? It is the son of promise, Jesus, the anointed Messiah. That means that the covenant between God and Abraham was fulfilled in Messiah and cannot be altered. Yet, the written law was not given to Moses until 430 years later, after God had signed his contract with Abraham. The law then doesn't supersede the promise, since the royal proclamation was given before the law. Because we are united with the anointed one, which is Jesus, all the promises of the kingdom are deeded to us, not because we keep the law or fulfill religious duties. If then that were the case, it would have nullified what God said to Abraham. We receive all the promises because of the promised one, not because of the law. As you have become true children of God by the faith of Jesus, the anointed one, it was faith that immersed you into covered and clothed. Um, excuse me, I didn't read that right. It was faith that immersed you into Jesus, the anointed one, and now you are covered and clothed with his anointing. And we no longer see each other in our former state, Jew or not Jew rich or poor, male or female, because we are all one through our union with Jesus Christ, which there is no distinction between us. And since you've been united to Jesus, the Messiah, you are now Abraham's child. Inherit all the promises of the kingdom realm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it's just so, God has just led us to so much truth in, um, in our walk. And the, uh, this was just so liberating for me to know that we are 
we get the promises of Abraham. His promises was like the, the dust of the earth, the, the, the stars of the sky. Those promises are uh, ours. We're his child. And we are not under the law. And I think really what uh, has been part of my journey is the Lord has showed me that he, it's almost like this Satan's trick is to put us back under the law. And, and I had had rules in my experience with God um, from the beginning. And, and those rules have been a hindrance. And God has been breaking so many rules in my life that have been rules of destruction. And um, it's just been a wonderful thing. So I wanted to talk about the journey. So um, both um, my husband and I separately, I was uh, born on the East Coast. I know you can't tell. Um, um, anyway, I was raised Catholic, and uh, where there was five of us kids, and we had to sit on the pew, and um, there was, like, really strict rules, and I remember just being yelled at by a priest because I didn't say the prayer right in confessional. And they were, like, <laughs> really harsh. And, um, and then also, we, just, we were not allowed to read the Bible. And then when I went to church, you know, um, all the masses were in Latin. And we didn't bear, dare say a word, and there was five of us. Um, and we had to be quiet in church. But as a little girl, my mother told me that when I was afraid just uh, under my covers in bed to just say, God is love, God is love. And I just remember just as a little girl and all through my life, that has meant so much to me just to, just to calm myself to saying, God is love, he is love. And then later on, um, you know, I learned in the scripture that perfect love casteth out fear and God is love. And then what happened was um, I, I came, uh, my sister got, I came to, I was in college out in California, and my sister got dramatically saved, and um, she witnessed to me, and she looked for a church in the phone book, and it was a Pentecostal church, and um, anyway, so long story short, I ended up there and oh, oh, I went to charismatic meetings, by the way, too. And my experience of being spirit filled was at in a charismatic Catholic cafeteria, and I was with my father, who God is healing my relationship with him, and we both got spirit filled side by side in this cafeteria, and um, it was a really great experience. But at that time, the charismatic meeting was not really um, organized, and it was just a whole bunch of people getting filled with the Spirit and a great move of God. It was in the uh, 70s. I got saved in uh, 1977. My husband got saved in 1976. He was like a year ahead of me. So, so in the I was just so thrilled that I could speak another language because I'm Italian and I can only say the bad words that can get me in serious trouble or parts of the body, you know. So I was no good in Italy. So um, food, of course, I can talk about food. But 
anyway, um, so the Pentecostals are very much into speaking in tongues and that type of thing. And I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. And I was just so thrilled to be cleansed by Jesus and to have him take my, the, the burden of my life and to make me pure and to make me whole that, um, I, I didn't know the Bible. I mean, I never had read it before. And so this church was like super strict and I was like, Oh, you want me to do what? Um, stop wearing pants. Oh, no problem. Stop doing this. And they had a whole bunch of lists for women and they were very strict about, you could only use King James version. And there were all these rules and I just basically, but there was good worship and, um, and it did get me grounded. And so I just kind of went, I didn't know until I started really studying the word, um, that there was more truth. And I was just trying to just grab what was real for us. And we raised our children in this church. And um, what happened was is that I decided um, that I wanted to go to um, Bible school. And they were kind of against it. And I went ahead and went anyway. And I actually got um, three degrees and um, I, in psychology and um, Christian leadership in Bible and theology. And when I studied the word, God started working on Tim at the same time. And I would say a scripture really harsh and like, oh, this is the rule. And then I would look at it or, and study it in these classes and say, well, wait a minute. That's not what it says. And started learning more about grace and, and realizing that there was a whole lot more to grace. And I decided, and I started to seeing that some of the rules were not scripturally based. And my husband was seeing it as well. And so we um, then, um, I ended up leaving and we ended up in AG churches. And the thing about it is when you leave something you've been into for 20 years, um, some people just, the, the pendulum swings way out. And a lot of people that left don't go anywhere and don't continue their walk with God. And I had just determined that I was going to keep my kids in a youth group. We're going to keep get, um, paying tithes and we were going to keep serving in the house of God, no matter where we go, and even if it was not a fit. And we were trying to find a fit for us. And um, then um, we found Bethel Redding five years ago and Blazing Fire two years ago. And God has just been doing an amazing, amazing work. So um, anyway, so there's been really new freedom and a new release in my life, and um, and and also just a new mentality of what he can do. And I've always believed and was involved in healing ministry, even in the Pentecostal church, and have believed God for big things. And um, so, let me just go to the my next slide. So, one thing is that. God is doing really big things in our lives, and he's given everyone dreams and things and goals and things that we are seeking after. And 
They are given by God. And sometimes we think that our goals or our dreams or desires have nothing to do with him. But he implants those desires in our heart for a reason. And for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So we have these desires in our heart that we want, to, that we want God to do. Sometimes these desires... Um, are heavy um, that we're just there's this goal that we we need there's a um, you know just um, the journey um, my husband he was a machinist for 13 years and he worked long hours 60 hours but his um, hobby was the stock market and studying candlesticks and all this type of thing and when the kids were little he drove we drove to a brokerage firm that was near our house and he kind of stared in the windows you know we're all getting embarrassed and he's staring in the windows of this brokerage firm thinking oh I want to work there and accidentally he goes to the front door to look in and he's leaning and the door opened they had left the door open but it was prophetic because God opened the door with him having no education we had a barbecue sauce, um, Italian barbecue sauce, little business that in uh, our Carboni International that we put on our resume because he was this machinist. And this man that hired him said, I hired you because you were the most unqualified person I've ever met. <laughs> and, um, and he got insulted, left him right, but he was uh, very successful in that. And... Um, and later on, just even, and it was a walk of faith. And when you're going after a dream or goal, it was a, was a real struggle for us because he had lost his job and we st- he started off as a broker and they pay only like 20, 16 to 20,000 a year. And we had three kids and we were doing a Bible study with these people in our neighborhood and they were working for Catholic charities and they were bringing us groceries during this time and blessing us and we just had to just fight through that time until Tim got his footing and because a very hard field to be in but he was successful and so we all have these patterns and these journeys that we go on in our lives and things that we're striving after Um, with our youngest child Charlie which you guys have met um, he was born with a hole in his heart and difficulties from birth. And throughout that child's life, I have put him on the altar. And I've said, God, touch him. And he healed the hole in his heart. He has done so many miracles in his life. And just, I was told that he would never graduate from school. And, and when he graduated, I could not stop crying. But I put that before the Lord. I put that through the Lord. And there have been some other battles that we've had to go through as, as well. And, um, but let me just um, go to this one. God wants our faith to be like a, a child, a new convert type faith. And believing that he can do anything. And... When uh, And so 
sometimes I get in trouble for this, but one great thing is when Tim and I were just engaged to be married, and we were pretty young, um, we got married around 21. But anyway, um, it was way too young. I don't recommend it, but it was worked out for us. Uh, anyway, um, my stepmother's aunt had a tumor the size of an orange, and she was in the hospital, and they were going to do surgery on her the next day. And we're, I'm new Christian, and I'm thinking, you know, God can do anything. And so we're, and we're just, this is the first time we even prayed together. And we laid hands on that lady, and the next day they opened her up, and it was completely gone. Dead cells. Praise the Lord. And we have seen so many things in the miraculous realm, in the, in the healing realm, in our walk with the Lord. We have seen that, and he can do anything. And sometimes um, there, I, um, part of my journey of going to school and then getting my master's in counseling and then eventually working at Bethany University as a professor and then a director of their grad program, well, that school was so poor, and they had no money, and they had no money for my department. And I'm thinking, you know, um, God can do anything. So I just um, applied for this certification from the state to, so we could do workshops on the side. And one of this other lady that was real persnickety and role-oriented said, you did What? And I said, oh, I just applied for this um, certification so we can do workshops. She goes, well, we thought about doing that, but I didn't think we could. I says, well, I didn't know I couldn't. And <laughs> praise the Lord. And that account um, there when I was doing that program went up to $10,000. And it actually provided for classroom materials and um, live streaming and I started a counseling center there, too, and that count went to $10,000. And so my department was like the richest department on campus, and everybody was borrowing money from us because I didn't know we couldn't do it. I didn't know that. And we need to – it's the things that we think, well, of course you can do it. And, and what's the opposite? Well, of not trying or not asking. And so believing him for more. So our perspective versus God's perspective. So we rely sometimes on when we're believing on things and we're on this journey, we're believing for big things and we need these breakthroughs in our lives. We're looking at our own puny strength and we don't realize that we can rely on his strength. And his strength is always available and he's pretty buff. Yeah. And God's like this mafioso behind you in my world. And, you know, and he's got our back. And he's there for us. And we're just carrying these, um, these battles. And we're going through this process of just carrying these things that we need. And, you know, I think that when you have a need and, and, and there's something that's a long-term thing, it makes you hungry. And we need to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then we will be filled and I am so thankful that God has put a hunger in our heart for more and more of him. And I'm asking him to just do more. But the journey is really hard. 
It's a very difficult process. So we have Abraham. He is our DNA. We're part, we are connected to Abraham and his promises. And he had to be stretched and he grew in faith that he was in Hebrews as one of the, the people that were proclaimed for faith. And we um, are part of that DNA. That's part of us. But he had to go through a long journey. He had to be patient. He had to trust in the Lord for the promise. And we have to trust in the Lord. And sometimes the journey seems too long. And we are hungry when... When we're just striving for that, we're hungry for it, and we're needing a move of God in life, it's painful. And we try to hold on to promises while we're going through the valley. And it can seem so hard, the battle. And we can feel alone in our battle. And so, you know, Tim and I have been used for many years, and We've seen tremendous healings. And nine years ago, he was having problems with his leg. And he went to the doctor. And our, our normal family doctor uh, could be categorized as Jerry Lewis. If you want heroin, go to him. But anyway, he's just, just you know, he's just didn't... He kept telling Tim to just exercise, do this, do that. And then he finally went to a specialist, and the guy said, I think you have MS. And it was right before his birthday. And um, 50th birthday. Sorry, honey, I know you look younger. But um, anyway, um, I was like, oh, no. No, no, this, this doesn't happen to us. We, we, we uh, move in the spirit. God does big things in our lives. This is not, no, this is not going to be. And I'm just going to have bulldog faith. I'm going to hold on. And this, we're not going to have this happen. And it did. And uh, I remember um, our daughter got married. And I was praying, God, please just help her be able to walk her down the aisle, just to help him. And um, he was able to walk her down the aisle, and they were able to dance, and I got it on video before he lost that ability. And, um, and I've been, God is stretching us. He just, he trusts us. He trusts us to stretch us because I need, we need a miracle. We don't need uh, healing. We need a transformative miracle. And there have been times through this battle um, of just half of me having, um, just having difficulty through the years of just, um, just laying it at God's feet. And actually, I've been in fetal position on my bed just crying like a baby and saying, God, please, this is so hard. And... He just is there for us. And I just believe that his healing is going to happen. And I just believe that we are moving into a time that there are going to be many healings. There's going to be many miracles and many things that we never knew. And um, 
And I'm just very blessed by my husband, and God has just helped us both through this journey, and he continues to help us. But it has not been easy. And, but his strength is sufficient. And um, so he has big plans for us. He wants those things that he's put in our heart, those things that are heavy, the things that we're crying out for, that we're asking him to do in his life. He sees those plans. But how do we see us? And we don't see how he sees us. And we are really fierce. And he's backing us up. And we're an actual threat to the enemy. We're that lion. And there's an um, old-time expression that says, the, um, that says um, Satan trembles when he sees the weakest Christian on his knees. And it's like, you know, I've just, worship is warfare. And I've determined that no matter what's going on, he gets the glory. He gets the praise. And you know what happens on the way up? I'm I'm praising him. The devil gets slapped. And I'm worshiping him anyway. Because no matter what, he deserves the glory. He deserves the power. Hallelujah. And he equips us with tools. He equips us with his name. He equips us with his power. We get to walk in Abraham's promises. We get to walk in his dominion. We have access to him. We can pray for the sick. We can have him move through us. And we can see people for who they really are and give them the love that they really need. Hallelujah. And then this is just about, you know, waiting. That those who wait upon the Lord, and can sing this one, huh? Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Hallelujah. And I was just reading in Elijah's list about little eagle, eaglets and about how their nest is all very soft, but underneath the nest is hard rocks and sticks and um, thorns and that type of thing. So when they get to a certain, certain stage, it's time for them to fly. Their mothers just, just tear up the nest so it hurts them to be in the nest, and they have to go out and fly and just soar and, and have that freedom and so sometimes our nest, we're waiting, and it gets very uncomfortable. And we're like those eaglets, but we're going to soar and do great things. So seasons are waiting are designed to prepare you, stretch your faith, and get you ready for everything that's coming next. Because things are coming. And answers are coming, and promises are coming. And I just heard Eric um, Johnson talk about how we need to ask God to stretch our faith, stretch our faith, God, so we can believe for more. 
because it's there for us and we can ask for more. There's more. There's more. We've just hit the surface. He can do deep things. He can touch many lives through you. He can work through you. He can work through your dreams. He can work through your testimonies. Hallelujah. So the lessons that we've, I've learned, first of all, that God is bigger than any denomination or movement. God is everywhere. He's out in the marketplace. God can use us on our jobs. And he's not in rule-like structures. And it's not them and us. It's we're a worldwide people that all need Jesus, and they're all precious in his sight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He can change anyone, no matter what. There are no limits. He can heal anyone. And he wants us to experience greater things than Jesus did. Did. And um, this is in the Passion. I'm going to read it to you. It's John 14, 12. I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do even greater miracles than these because I go to be with my Father. For I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask in my name. And this is how the Son will show what the Father is really like and bring glory to him. Ask me anything in my name and I will do it for you. Whoa. Yes. And we're supposed to do greater things than him? And he sent the apostles out before he even died and sent them by two by two to heal people and to set people free. And he was doing it before he even rose from the dead. And he's sending us out. And we have the power of his spirit behind us. And we're supposed to do greater things. And we have the authority over the enemy. We have the authority of Jesus Christ in us. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Of course, we know that love is the key ingredient. And what can people do when you love them? It's, it makes them defenseless. And just carrying that love and truth. And it, it's been so beautiful here because I've learned just so many things about the Father's love, and just, just so outside the box. And I really love doing the New Living Expo with New Agers and just being used in the middle of satanic stuff and having the law just bless people's lives. And I would have never done anything like that. I would have had rules stopping me. But those rules are set aside because... We're set out to love people. That's what draws them. Love them. Love them into truth. Love these people that are bound by religious rules. Love them. Love them into truth. That's how we do it. And that love shines abroad in our heart to reach them 
and to show them that there's another way, another way of no judgment, another way of accepting them right where they're at and showing them God's love. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And there are great things to come. And so when, just a uh, just visual, um, I um, had this plant, um, this orchid that um, kind of got killed. And, um, and it just, it was real. this is true, and it is really bleak. And I just set it on this windowsill in a patio, like in a really, and uh, I didn't even really water it, and I just ignored it really. And sometimes we're like this orchid of just feeling like, where is there life in us? Where is there new life in us? We feel bleak. We feel dead. And we're waiting for growth to occur. And it's like, we kind of look a little hopeless. And so I just left this orchid alone. And um, I don't know, six months later, um, something was happening behind the scenes and it was not dead after all. And without me even realizing, a new sprout came out, two new sprouts, and flowers were forming on this orchid. And so sometimes we feel like God is not doing anything, that it's dead, that promises death. There's like death of that vision. Is it, could it be more hopeless? But he is working behind the scenes and under the soil and in secret And he's laying the path before us. He goes before us to lay the path before us. And, you know, and we just can't go by what it looks because really this is what happens when breakthrough arrives. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So um, what I wanted to do is... um, I'm going to play this song um, that has really touched my heart. It's a um, Bethel song. And um, what I want you to do is think of that thing that you've been carrying that's really big. And, and I want you to release it to God and expect big things. And I want you to just, and just all he's looking for is a willing vessel. All he's looking for is, God, here I am. Just use me. And you just never know what he's going to do in your life and what capacity. I had no clue I would be doing any of the things that I'm doing. And that he just, that he would just bless my life. And he has. And I'm believing him for Tim's healing. I'm believing him for big things. I'm believing him for um, many things in my life. And I just, I love to see people set free and healed. And I'm believing to see more and more healings and people and breakthrough. Yes. And he's just reactivated me so much. Just even coming here, just in the giftings that I used to roll in, I, I... just even have increased even more. And I'm just so thankful that I just have the liberty just to let God use me here because this is the kind of environment that's here. And I praise God for that. And I thank you, Jesus.
Hallelujah. So I want you just to take in this song, and it says, um, you know, that God created the world, and um, by your voice was made, but you call me by name. And he knows our heart, and our heart is precious to him. So... So what I felt on my heart was if any of you um, wanted to come up and give that big thing to God and believe him for that big thing. And just as, um, just as kind of like walking up by faith and saying, I'm going to take that. I'm going to believe for that big thing in my life and for what God's going to use. And then those of you that are on the prayer team or elders or whatever that feel led to pray for those, um, that would be great as well. <laughs> 